Good evening. Thanks, Josh. You want to stay up here with me? Yeah. Let's, just, let's have a conversation. <laughs> well, how are you guys doing tonight? Awesome. Um, well, hey, I am happy right now because it's feeling a little bit more like fall, and my wife loves this weather, so that makes me happy. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's feeling a little chilly, but let's, uh, let's hope it warms up a little bit for tomorrow as we uh, meet down in the square for the family fun time. It should be good. Uh, good to just be amongst community. Um, I just want to tell you guys that uh, I've said this before, I know, but uh, I just love this community, and I love all of you guys um, and just being a part of this community. And, uh, and so this is just really fitting to have this, this event tomorrow night um, because we're, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about community. Um, we're talking, uh, we've been talking the last couple weeks, and uh, we've got a couple more weeks to go on, on this idea of um, what true community looks like and um, what a, a kingdom-minded community um, really looks like. Um, and so we're going to continue talking about it tonight. Um, let me just start off with a, a word of prayer. And uh, let's just depend on the Spirit to open our eyes and open our hearts. Lord God, um, I just pray that, uh, that I would decrease and you would increase tonight. And the words out of my mouth would be from your Spirit and that it would penetrate heart and soul. Um, I pray for open hearts, uh, open minds to receive uh, the truth that you want to give. And, and God, I pray that you would um, filter out any, anything that is, um, uh, is not truth that, that, that I might say um, because I'm human and, and I'm frail, um, but that you would filter that out and speak only truth to our hearts tonight. And so we, uh, we just give this up to you and we depend on you. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so we've been talking about community and the idea that, that community is good, right? And it is good to have community, and we need to seek it out. We need to seek community out. In fact, um, it's so good that God actually designed us to be a part of community. Uh, it's, it's the way he designed us to, to be in community. We are made in the image of a triune God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And by his very existence that way, um, he exemplifies community, uh, Genesis uh, 1.26 up there. Um, you're going to have to take the background off, Michael. Uh, there he goes. Uh, Genesis 1.26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Which is interesting when you read that because who's the us and who's the our? It's the Trinity. It's the Father. It's the Son. It's the Holy Spirit living that way. Some may argue that it's the, the angelic host, but we're not made in the image of angels. We're in, made in the image of God and a triune God. And, and so he has designed us to, to be in community because that is his very existence is community. Um, we're all, we also have this need. It, it is a need that's put inside of us to be a part of community, uh, of a spiritual community. We have a need for spiritual community, as Evan talked about last week. It's good for us to be with like-minded believers that um, in Hebrews 10:24 it says we spur one another on toward love and good works, 
right? We come together to do that. We come together to spur one another on, to encourage each other, right? Um, we also, uh, it's good for us to be among believers so that uh, we have all in Acts. It talks about Acts 2.44. It says, all who believed were together and had all things in common. They just, they met together. They, they were together and they had all things in common. It doesn't mean they didn't have different preferences, but they had all things in common because they had Christ and they had Jesus and they had one purpose and one goal is to make him known and, and to come together and encourage each other in that. And so we see this idea that, that community is good, that we're designed for it, that we need it, um, but tonight, I want to uh, kind of look at a different perspective of community. And, uh, and this might be interesting to look at, but it's something that is very honestly convicting, um, that I'm personally convicted of in my own life, and I think that it is honestly convicting of the church as a whole. Um, myself, by no means... In, in preaching this, in, in speaking to this to you guys up front here, means that I'm any expert or any better at this than anybody else, um, that I'm not even very good at what I'm about to share with you tonight, um, in my personal opinion. Um, but I strive toward it, right, like we all do. Um, but it's this idea of the danger in community, the danger in community. And that might sound interesting to you guys. That might sound funny to you guys, that there's danger in community. What's, what's dangerous about community? Um, but there's danger in community when we become too comfortable. When we become too comfortable, uh, we tend to be in community and all of a sudden we become um, ingrown. And we become focused so much on, on ourselves and each other in, in our own community that, that we completely forget that there's a world out there of, of broken and hurting people that are actually starving for community as well. And, and we forget that because we're so inward focused on our own community that... Th- people that that try to enter into the community that we've created, the community that we have, often they can't because they're unable to penetrate the walls that we have unintentionally or maybe intentionally created and built up. Um, Often churches have become more like country clubs than churches. And it's this country club mentality of this is our place, this is our our church, and this is our community, um, and you have to be a certain way to enter in and to be a part of it. And so this is the danger of community that we become too comfortable. And it caused me to, and in thinking about this, caused me to ask the question, is true kingdom community meant to be comfortable? Is true kingdom community meant to be comfortable? And Martin Luther has a very pointed um, something to say on this, <laughs> right? Uh, a very pointed message. And I want you guys to listen very closely to this message, th- this quote that Martin Luther had on community. Um, and he said this, The kingdom is to be in the midst of your enemies. And he who will not suffer this does not want to be of the kingdom of Christ. 
He wants to be among friends, to sit among roses and lilies, not with the bad people, but the devout people. Oh, you blasphemers and betrayers of Christ, if Christ had done what you are doing, who would ever have been spared? I'm going to read that again. I'm going to put it up on the screen. I just want you guys to kind of let, let that soak in a little bit. He says, The kingdom is to be in the midst of your enemies. And he who will not suffer this does not want to be of the kingdom of Christ. He wants to be among friends, to sit among roses and lilies, not with the bad people, but with the devout people. Oh, you blasphemers and betrayers of Christ. If Christ had done what you are doing, who would ever have been spared? Now, I might not be the most popular person after this message, but um, I'm not here to... uh, uh, seek uh, your approval, so that's good. Um, but we're going to talk about this. And, uh, you know, Martin Luther, he, he, uh, he points out this idea of that we just want to kind of, we want to be comfortable. We want to sit among friends, among the roses and lilies, as he says it. Um, and you guys, this, this isn't just like a, a church issue, right? It's not just a Christian issue. It's, it's, an, it's a human issue. It's, it's this human nature issue that it's kind of natural. Uh, and I don't want to beat ourselves up too, too much because it's, it's kind of natural for us to gravitate toward people that are like us, right? It, we want to be with people that are like us, who, who talk like us, who speak like us, who act like us, look like us, dress like us, you name it. We kind of gravitate towards those people. And it's kind of just this social phenomenon that we all do. It's natural for us to do that. We want to be around people like us, right? I mean, if someone walked in with a Patagonia, Chacos, a Hydro Flask in one arm, and a baby carrier in the other arm, I'd think to myself, I want to be that guy's friend, right? <laughs> that's just, I mean, that's just what, the way my mind's, and don't judge me because we all do it, right? There's, don't judge me, <laughs> right? <laughs> Oh, you, Tom, Tom walked in and I thought that same thing too, right? <laughs> I wish I could be that guy's friend. So we have this, uh, this uh, social tendency to want to be around people with similar or the same attitudes, values, and preferences as us. And it's just kind of this natural thing. But it's not necessarily a bad thing in and of itself, right? It's not a bad thing at all. In fact, this thing is the thing that kind of promotes this group identity. We form identity out of it as a group, and we kind of form, this is who we are. Like, that's, that's a good thing. We want to know who we are as a group, as a community, who are we? That's, uh, that's a very good thing to, be, to, to have, so we need that. Um, but it also, it also causes us to engage with, with others. In positive behavior uh, that we have, we, we engage in positive behavior towards the others that are in that group, right? Um, and we've, we, in other words, we love and serve those who are within our group very well. Uh, we've seen this even in this community uh, when we, you know, went down to the coffee shop and helped Dale uh, redo his whole coffee shop because we just, we wanted to love and serve him. Uh, we saw this when, a year and a half ago, when we went up to Evan and Roz's property and we served them and we loved them by getting their property uh, 
in shape while they were in need, right? And so we love others well, and that's because we, we, we have this identity. We have this group. This is what we're about to love and serve others. That's a good thing. But here's the problem that comes with this natural tendency to, uh, to kind of have group formation, right? Um, we tend to start closing ourselves off to those who might not fit into the, crea- the culture that we've created, We tend to close ourselves off to that, and inevitably, this creates an us versus them mentality. Okay? If we go too far down that road, we we create an us versus them mentality. And you guys, this is the danger of authentic Christian community. Us versus them. Uh, This will hinder and hurt authentic Christian community more than anything else. You know, as Christians, we actually should be the most unified and united group of people in the world. Jesus even prayed that for us. In John 17, he said, he's talking to the Father, he says, Father, I do not only ask for these but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may be one, they, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may be, become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Those are powerful words from Jesus, a powerful prayer that he desires us to be one. But sadly, in the church as a whole, we have become one of the most divided groups of people in the world and often doing the opposite by giving people reasons not to believe. And that's sad. It's sad, and uh, not to make too light out of a out of a sad reality, um, there was a, a joke that uh, was told a, a while ago by a comedian named Emo Phillips, and uh, kind of uh, relating to this issue and this problem. And in this joke, it's a joke about a guy on a bridge, and he says this. He says, I once saw a guy on a bridge about to jump, and I said, don't do it. He said, nobody loves me. I said, God loves you. Do you believe in God? And he said, yes. I said, are you a Christian or a Jew? He said, a Christian. I said, me too. Protestant or Catholic? He said, Protestant. I said, me too. What franchise? He said, Baptist. I said, me too. Northern Baptist or Southern Baptist? He said, Northern Baptist. I said, me too. Northern Conservative Baptist or Northern Liberal Baptist? He said, Northern Conservative Baptist. I said, me too. Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region or Northern Conservative Baptist Eastern Region? He said, Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region. I said, me too. Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1879 or Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region of Council of 1912? He said, Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region of Council of 1912. I said, die, heretic, and I pushed him off. We 
can have so much in common, yet find that one thing that separates us, that distinguishes us from other people, and let that divide us. And these divisions can happen in so many different ways. Uh, They can be small and subtle, like different preferences or different cultural differences um, or different uh, councils. (laughs) I don't know. Um, Or they can be large, and they can be obvious, like the problems of racism and prejudice that we've seen even in our country lately. But the bottom line is it's an us versus them mentality, and this prevents us from engaging others outside of our community. And the question I've asked myself and the question I want us as a, a community and as a church to ask ourselves is, how, do, how are we doing this? Do we do this? Do I do it in my own heart? To really do a heart check And trying to break those uh, those tendencies to do that, because as Martin Luther says, the kingdom should be lived in the midst of our enemies. And even though uh, the divisions are are seen and, and and prevail in the Christian communities, it is not the example that we were given by Christ. It is not the example that Jesus gives us. And I want to, there's so many, I could have picked so many examples of this that Jesus um, shows us in the Gospels. Um, I picked one, and and it kind of j- really just exemplifies this. And it's out of um, Matthew 26, verses 6 to 13. And I'm just going to read it for you guys and then kind of unpack it. Um, and it says this, Now Jesus was at Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper. A woman came up to him with an alabaster flask of very expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at table. And when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. In pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. Truly I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. This is such a powerful picture of Jesus reaching into outsiders and bringing them and drawing them into community. Um, Right off the bat, we see that Jesus is having supper with Simon, who is a former leper who he recently healed. And and we know that, I mean, this is an example in and of itself that uh, because Jews had believed that if you touched a leper, it made you unclean that it made what is clean, unclean. But Jesus knew that he could make the unclean clean again. It's something that only God could do, though. That he could make what is unclean, clean. And that is why he crossed that social barrier. He crossed that social taboo of interacting and even embracing a social outcast like Simon. 
And now he's having dinner with him. Which raises one of my first question in this passage that we can really do a heart check and ask ourselves. The question is, are we more concerned about the unclean contaminating our community than we are about our community through Christ bringing wholeness and healing to someone in need, someone who needs community, someone who needs that healing? Are we more concerned about how they will affect our community or infect our community? Or are we concerned with how God wants to use us, something only God can do to take a broken, hurting person and make them whole? And so we see him uh, not concerned with what the social uh, society says about uh, these people, but going to have dinner with Simon the leper. And as they're uh, eating, this woman comes in, and with this alabaster jar, this, this jar full of ointment, and just breaks it over his head and starts worshiping Jesus, right? And his disciples, it says, became indignant. That word, it means they became annoyed at her. How many times have we been annoyed by someone interrupting our community or interrupting something that we have planned um, how many times have we just been annoyed or angry at that? How many times do we become critical? They became critical of her, of how she was worshiping Jesus. How many times do we become critical of how people worship Jesus differently than us? They became prideful. They said we would have, basically they said we would have worshiped Jesus or we would have worshiped God way better than this, Right? We would have done it way better by giving this to the poor. And uh, we, we're, we would have done it way better. The second question or questions with this passage that I want to ask is, I've kind of already asked it a little bit, but are we critical of people if they worship differently than us? Are we critical of people who, who look, who act, who speak differently than us? You know, we often <laughs> say, you know, like, Someone gets a little, you know, too charismatic in our church. You know, uh, there's a church down there, you know. You can jump over there, you know. Are we getting critical of how people want to worship Jesus? And so we see these disciples, this picture of, of how critical and how indignant they become of this woman. But Jesus, it says, I love it. He says, it says Jesus, aware of this. He was aware of what she did, what she was doing, and aware of what the disciples were doing. He, he's, he says, she has done a beautiful thing. Don't bother her. Don't be critical of her. What she's done is beautiful. And that's actually one out of two times in the New Testament that beautiful is mentioned. She has done a beautiful thing. And that's how Jesus looks at people and brings people into community. What's beautiful in Jesus' eyes? 
What was beautiful about this? What was beautiful is the complete abandonment that she had in her worship. She cared nothing about what they would say, what they would think. She just gave it all to him. Do we worship God? Do we worship Jesus with that kind of abandonment? Where we're, are, are we more concerned about the people around us that what will people think if we raise our hands during this song? Or if we stand up? Or if we sit down? What will people think if we get on our knees? What will people think if I actually want worship the way I want to worship Jesus inside? This woman, we know her actually as Mary Magdalene, who was the same woman who Jesus saved from being stoned when she was dragged out into the street and into the middle of the temple. And he, he said to the religious leaders who dragged her out, you who has no sin cast the first stone. This is the same woman. And so now she is showing her gratefulness, her worship for her Savior by this incredible act. She was a former prostitute coming into this house where Jesus is and worshiping him. You guys, I, I don't know, this question, just been thinking about it. What would our reaction, what would my reaction be if a former prostitute entered our community and began to worship Jesus in complete abandonment? Honestly, it'd probably make most of us, myself included, a little uncomfortable. But God has not called us to the, un- the comfortable. We have to check our hearts and our motives. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Where is our motives? Where is our heart at when it comes to the world and community and who we're drawing in and who we're being uh, inviting to? So what keeps us from inviting outsiders into our community? Uh, In essence, it's just pride. It's just pride altogether. But pride of like, um, it could be status. It could be status that like, how will this look to others if I'm hanging around these people? How will it look to others if, if they're part of our community? I mean, in your mind, maybe you can think of some people that it might look a little uncomfortable, look, look a little shady for some people to to be a part of your community or for you to to invite them in. But it's just pride. That's just pride of how will this look? John the Baptist says, he must increase, I must decrease. That includes my status. My status must become nothing so that Jesus can become everything. It could be the pride of just security that we feel safe in the comfortable. We feel safe in in what's comfortable to us around our friends, around the roses and lilies, but true community is not safe. True community is not safe. Um, arrogance. I'm better. These these disciples had arrogance in their hearts. I'm better. I would never have done that. I would have done way better. You know, I would have done it differently than that. I can't believe they did that. 
Martin Luther ends his quote with, if Christ had done what you are doing, who would ever have been spared? And this, folks, is what will give us perspective. This, folks, is what will change our hearts when it comes to this. When we realize who we are, who we were, and what Christ has done for us. Romans 5.8 But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still dirty, unclean, unworthy, he died for us. Colossians 1.21 And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. I'm going to wrap up with this, um, this quote from Thomas Akempis. And just listen, because this is... He says, A true understanding and a humble estimate of oneself is the highest and most valuable lesson. To take no account of oneself, but always to think well and highly of others is the highest wisdom and perfection. Should you see another person openly doing evil or carrying out a wicked purpose, do not on that account consider yourself better than him. For you cannot tell how long you will remain in the state of grace. We are all frail. Consider none more frail than yourselves. You guys, nothing makes us better than anyone else. We are all in a state of grace. We are all saved by grace that is given to us. And we should look at no one. Um, We should look down on no one. Um, Because without God's grace, we would be there. We would, uh, who knows where we would be. And so as uh, Josh and Carrie come up, I just have two questions that you can really just kind of take home for the week, maybe. Um, The first one is, what obstacle do you need to overcome in order to engage others in your community? What kind of pride or obstacle do you have that, that you need God's help? that you need God's grace to overcome in order to engage people into your community. And the second is this. Who is one person that you can show grace to this week? Who is one person that you can show the grace of God to this week? God, thank you for um, the message that you've given me and how you have convicted my spirit in my heart. And God, I repent of my pride. I repent of my unwillingness to see people through your eyes. Lord God, give us compassion. Lord God, give us the eyes that you see people through. 
and help us to reach out and to love others well, no matter who they are, no matter where they come from, no matter what they've done, to just love them through you. In Jesus' name, amen.